Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Somebody shout hallelujah. Give God some praise this afternoon. Hallelujah. He's a good God. Oh, it feels so good in the house, Lord. Why don't you lift up your hands and let's magnify him for a few moments. Come on, it feels good in the house of God. It feels good to be in his presence amongst his people. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, my praise and my worship belongs to you. It does not belong to this society. It does not belong to some rock star or sports star, God. All of my praise belongs solely to you, Jesus. Oh, come on, somebody give him praise. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. It's so good to be back in the house of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Good to be back in. Let me just do this for a moment. I feel like Dorothy just clicking my heels saying there's no place like home. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it was a blessing to be able to go to Costa Rica. And uh, this last uh, few, uh, tw 12 days or so, uh, we were able to, uh, this church was able to bless the churches, not just one church, but the churches over there with some equipment. Uh, we took it over there. And uh, because of your faithfulness and giving to the just giving to the missions fund, we were able to do that and not take up any special offering. And so I honor you for that. Uh, things that in Costa Rica would have cost them 10 times or more to get a hold of, um, we were able to take over there free of charge. And so praise God for that. Amen. We were able to go there and to minister to the young people as well as to uh, the headquarters church. And uh, that's pastored by my wife's uncle uh, over there in Costa Rica. In fact, her family is heavily connected. There's not a thing going on in Costa Rica that her family's not uh, either in charge of or operating in. And so we were able to go over there and preach as as alongside uh, Reverend Brendan Claiborne, who's going to be with us in the month of September. And uh, at least six people got the Holy Ghost, praise God. And two were baptized in Jesus' name, praise God. Somebody say hallelujah. Now what's powerful about this is that the two people that got baptized were former Trinitarians. Uh, and right now the church is in the process of converting an entire Trinitarian congregation. Somebody ought to shout and give God praise. In the midst of still having lockdown, somebody ought to give him praise. I've just come to tell you that revival is still happening here and across the world. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let the media lie to you. Jesus is still champion. Jesus is still victorious. Jesus is still saving. Somebody ought to shout and give God praise for a moment. God, praise God, praise God. So they're in the process right now of, of, uh, of teaching the church there about Jesus' name baptism, and we baptized two of them, and, and there's a, it's a church that seats 500 people in an area that they have been trying to start a church for over 20 years. For a very long time, they've been struggling, couldn't get a door open, and after all this time, God does it in a moment. The pastor walked in and said, I, I, I want what you have. Amen. Praise God. Amen. God's still reaching. I believe God wants to do that 
amen, both there and here as well. I'm still believing for the day that in America we convert an entire church to the oneness of God in baptism in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen, I believe that uh, since I've been saved. In fact, at 16 years old, I walked into a Trinitarian church and tried to convert them all, uh, just being zealous for the Lord. But I still believe that God can do it, and I still believe that God will do it. Somebody said amen. Praise God. Amen. At this time, we'd like to dismiss our Sunday school students to their classrooms. Amen. And as your, uh, the children are being dismissed, we'd like to turn in our Bibles to the book of John, chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Oh, Never mind. I'm sorry about that. This is not, not today. I apologize. You know, these five Sunday months really mess with me, especially uh, when you get a little bit of jet lag and you're coming back. Uh, praise God. You know, the first thing I did when I, when I got back and, and uh, I went straight to Chick-fil-A, I said, God, give me the Lord's chicken. <laughs> praise God. I had to, had to eat an American meal. You know, we are so blessed. Uh, it was, it's a beautiful country over there, but we are so blessed to live in the United States. You know, you just realize real quickly that you can be in a, it's not a third world country, but you can be in a second world country, and you realize real quickly that just one thing out of order, and you are, you are in an almost socialist country where you can be, you can be locked up. Uh, and, and, and you start really thanking God when you touch, touch down in the United States of America, and you realize that you have certain inalienable rights and freedoms and uh, praise God. That's not Bible. That's democracy. Uh, but I'm thankful for it anyways. Hallelujah. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. Amen. I'm just, I'm just so full of, full of joy and excitement. I came to preach to you today. Heard about uh, all the wonderful things the Lord did here. Brother Poindexter preaching a mighty, many mighty words of God. I was able to listen. And uh, Sister Jen, why don't you wave your hand? She had second-degree burns last Sunday, and God told her, take the bandages off. Ain't nothing wrong with it now, right? She's clapping her hand. Praise God. God's still healing people in Jesus' name. All right, let's get in the Word of God. How many is ready to have church? Praise God. John chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. The Bible says, And after these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles, which he did upon them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with the disciples. And the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great company come unto him. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And he said this to prove him... I love the Bible. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus asked a question to his disciples, but the Bible says he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's Simon Peter's brother saith unto him, There is a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in that place. 
So the man sat down in numbers of about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes, as much as they would. Notice how Philip said, there's not even enough. And then Andrew says, what is this among so many? But they were able to eat as much as they wanted. And when they were filled, he saith unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments, gather the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Everybody say that nothing be lost. Therefore, they gathered to them together and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. The Lord, the lad, and the leftovers. The Lord, the lad, and the leftovers. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this building. Come on, would you pray? I believe that God wants to do a, a work. God wants to do a miracle. God wants to use somebody today. God wants to fill somebody with the Holy Ghost today. Oh, come on, somebody pray in this house. Let's all worship the Lord. Lift up your voice and talk to him for a moment. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We need the Lord to move in this house. We need the Lord to move in our lives. Hallelujah, hallelujah. God, move on the lad. Move on the leftovers. Whatever it might be, Jesus, we need your moving power in the wonderful name of Jesus. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise one more time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, the Lord, the lad, and the leftovers. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated here today. The Bible tells us that after these things, after Jesus had performed miracle after miracle, had done many mighty works that he decided that he was going to go on to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And as he was headed that direction, uh, he decided that it's not enough just to go to the other side of the sea, but I'm going to go and take my disciples up into a solitary place to pray. What's interesting about this entire story is it's one of the few stories that finds itself a place in each and every one of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all write of this story. What's interesting about that is you have the first three, which are the Synoptic Gospels. They follow a similar pattern. All of them are giving a similar, uh, they're giving us the same story, but with a different perspective. They are telling what they saw from their vantage point. That doesn't uh, lessen the witness. That strengthens the witness. Amen. They are seeing what Jesus did, and they are pulling out uh, bullet points. But when you get to the Gospel of John, John tends to follow his own pattern. He, is, he calls himself through his own Gospel the disciple whom Jesus loved. He wanted people to know that everything he knows about Jesus came because of his, re his relationship with God. And he has a unique way of pinning down what he saw. But he thought it important enough out of everything that he wrote about to make sure that this story 
of the fish and the loaves made it into the scriptures. I think it's important for us to take note of that because there are lessons that we can learn through this. The first lesson I want to point out is that Jesus left and went to the other side and went up a mountain. And yet the Bible declares that it did not deter people from following Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus got on a boat, went to the other side. Jesus even climbed up a mountain. And yet the Bible declares that people still found their way to where Jesus was going to be. Amen. I want to tell us here today that, that we cannot allow anything to deter us from following hard after Jesus. You can't allow, amen, a difficult river to cross or a sea to get around, amen, to hinder you from getting to Jesus. Nor can you allow the steepness of the climb that you're going through to hinder you from getting to where he is. You can't allow a sickness to stop you. You can't allow a divorce to stop you. You can't allow brokenness to stop you. Whatever you got to face to get to Jesus, face it and get to Jesus. Cross every sea, but get to Jesus. Climb every mountain, but get to Jesus. Endure every desert, but get to Jesus. Endure hunger, but get to Jesus. Endure famine, but get to Jesus. Endure sickness, but get to Jesus. Do what Paul said, and endure hardness as a good soldier. But whatever you do, you got to have the grit to Get to where Jesus is. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give him praise. And they did whatever it took uh, to get to Jesus. Uh, amen. And in this generation, we've got to be careful that we don't come up with every excuse in the book uh, as to why we are not able to get to Jesus. Uh, amen. When you stand and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, uh, there will be no excuse good enough. Uh, amen. We can say, well, it was smoky out. Uh, and yet we're going to have to stand in judgment next to somebody uh, that didn't even have shoes on their feet. Uh, but they they still got to where Jesus was. Somebody ought to give him praise. We could say, well, I, I don't know about it. I was a little tired that day to get in my AC car. But there's going to be somebody else that said I had to circumvent an entire sea just to get to where Jesus is. But I didn't let it deter me from getting to the Lord because nothing is more important than getting to the Lord. Nothing is more important than getting to the house of the Lord. Nothing's more important than getting to where Jesus is. Jesus went to the other side, and yet people still followed him. It wasn't, it wasn't just the 12 disciples. There was 5,000, not including women and children, that made a caravan to get to where Jesus is. In fact, the Bible declares that the timing that they went was not the best timing. It was right around the Passover. The Passover was something they had to keep. It was by the law. They had to keep a feast. They had to eat food on the Passover. Amen. They had to take unleavened bread, and they had, uh, amen, to, to share the lamb with their neighbor on the Passover. And people were not interested anymore in just being religious. They wanted to get to the Lord. 
So they forsook the feast and they followed the Lord. And the Bible says they showed up and they were hungry. They traveled a mighty long way in the desert and in the heat and they were hungry. But when Jesus looked at them, the Bible says he looked on them with compassion. Amen. Because these people had such passion that they were going to circumvent the globe if they had to just to get to the Lord. And he looked on them and said, we got to do something about these hungry people. Can I just preach to the church for a moment? Amen. That we've got to do something about a hungry world. We've got to do something about a hungry city. We've got to do something about a lost world that's losing their ever-loving mind. We've got to do something in this hour and in this generation for our neighborhoods and for our schools and for our governments and for our city councils. We've got to do something because they're starving. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give God praise. Jesus sees that they're hungry and what does he do? He could have fixed the problem in a moment, but let me tell you a little bit about the Lord. The Bible tells us that the Lord went to his disciples. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to tell the church we are the hope for the world. We are the hope for our world. Jesus said, while I'm in the earth, I am the light of the world. But when I leave this earth, you are the light of the, of the earth. Amen. And the light of the world. He said, you are a city set on a hill. Amen. Which cannot be hid. No man takes a light and hides it under a bushel. And we used to sing it. And some of y'all went to Sunday school. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Amen. I want to tell the church that if there's ever been an hour and a moment, amen, where, where, where we're seeing turmoil, amen, and it just keeps compounding. And every time we think it's about to finish or get better or go back to normal. I just want to let you know there is no longer a normal. The new normal is abnormal. The new normal is the fact that everything's going to be shifting. Everything's going to be changing. But let me tell you what can stay normal, and that's a church that's on fire. That's a church that realizes their position in this world, that we are the answer to a crazy society, that we are the answer to a world that it's losing their mind. Oh, somebody clap your hands. Come on, somebody give God praise for a moment. And the Lord goes to his disciples and says, how are we going to feed them? He says, where can we buy bread for all these? And he talks to Philip. And Philip, amen, didn't realize the opportunity he was given. The Bible declares Jesus saw that they were hungry. And he goes to the disciples and says, what do y'all think we should do? Some One gospel says send them away. <laughs> Amen. I feel like we got to be careful that's not our response. Don't, don't, don't send our revival away, Jesus. Come on, somebody. Don't send. Hey, if they come in, they don't know what gender they are, we ain't sending them away. I'll say that again. If they show up and they don't know what gender they are, we're not sending them away. If they show up and they are so emaciated and malnourished from the sin of this world and they come to this place hungry, we're not sending people away that are addicted to drugs. We're not sending people away that have made mistakes. We're not sending... Somebody ought to shout if you can remember where you were when God found you and he didn't send you away. He didn't send me away, but instead he fed you and I. Yeah. 
But let me tell you about the Lord for a moment. The Lord was telling his disciples and giving them an opportunity to think outside of themselves. Man, God doesn't always do it for us. And God doesn't always give us the answers. But often God will allow moments of life uh, where we get to think, uh, amen, and we have a decision. Uh, Will we think with the carnal mind uh, or will we think with the mind of the Spirit? Will we think, uh, amen, as we can see that, that as if our, our life can be, uh, amen, all through our eyesight uh, and we can observe everything, uh, or will we decide to walk by faith uh, and not by what we observe uh, and not by sight? We've got an opportunity every time we go into moments like this in our Christian walk. He will give us the example. Early in the, in the 1980s, 1990s, they came out with these little wristbands that said WWJD. Anybody remember those? They got real popular. I think we need to bring them back. What would Jesus do? And the truth is, there was just a question uh, that you would ask yourself before you made a decision. Uh, what would Jesus do? And most people didn't live by anything that Jesus would do, nor do they know what Jesus would do. But what is happening in this moment is he's giving them an opportunity to think, uh, what would Jesus do when he sees hungry people? Uh, what would Jesus do when he sees empty people? What would Jesus do when he sees broken people? Uh, and Philip said to the Lord, uh, not thinking like Jesus, but thinking like himself as many of us do because we are humanity and we are frail and the Bible says God knows our frame and he knows we're limited and our capacity is limited but in our humanity and in our carnal mind uh, he looks and observes he looks in the bank account uh, and says we don't have enough money to buy enough bread to feed these people even just a little bit anybody ever been there? I know I have. You've done the numbers. You've figured everything out. Said we don't have enough to do it. We don't have enough to make it happen. But he missed the question. Jesus said, where are we going to find the bread? And he thought the question was, are we able to do it? He thought the question was, do we have enough? He thought the question was, can you find a way to make the impossible possible? And instead, the Lord was asking him, where are you going to find some bread uh, to feed these people Uh, and instead of doing all the arithmetic and instead of doing all the accounting uh, amen Philip uh, should have gone looking for some bread Uh, amen I want to tell you if if, if there's ever been a moment to get out of the carnal mind and out of what we observe uh, it is in this modern day uh, and modern society uh, social media driven generation uh, where everything's done by eyesight uh, and what you see uh, but the problem is if you watch the media Amen. They're going to lie to you. If you watch the media, they're going to misinform you. Amen. And you'll start seeing things through one lens and you'll think to yourself, there's no way that we can save this world. There's no way we can reach our community. But I just want to let you know that we've got to get out of the mindset of problem finding and get into the mindset of solution finding. 
Somebody like clap your hands and give God praise. I'm preaching to somebody in the house of the Lord. you got to change gears and stop looking at all the ways it can't happen and look through the eyes of faith and say, is there anything that we can work with? Is there anything we can do? What can I do? Not what can I do. What is possible, not what's not possible. And Jesus asked them, I love the scriptures because the Bible tells us about the Lord. He knew what he would do. Just because you and I don't know does not mean that God is is misinformed or uninformed. He already knows what he would do. But he's giving us an opportunity to walk in his mindset. To think like he thinks. To get above this plane of existence and step into another dimension of faith and see things through the lens of faith. And faith, the grain of a, the size of the grain of a mustard seed, can move a mountain. That's what faith can do and what faith can see. But in my humanity, the mountain is insurmountable. There's no way I can climb it or get through it or over it. But when I see through the eyes of of faith and I step out of this I may not know what I could do or I may not know what the Lord can do or what he will do but he knows exactly what he's going to do and it's my job just to go and follow him by faith and walk on the water even if I sink somebody ought to give God praise where can we find some bread the Bible says Andrew got a little closer to the answer when he started looking for a solution instead of a problem I'm coming for somebody for a moment there are problems in life and there are solutions in life everybody said amen to every problem there is a solution whether you know it or not you may not be good at calculus but there's an answer you just got to find somebody smarter than you Equally, there are problem finders in life and there are solution finders in life. You ever met somebody that always can tell you what the problems are? Some of y'all are quiet because you might be that person. First thing you think of is all the ways it can't happen. Man, I've just come to talk to somebody today. We came to have fun. All the ways it's just not going to work and there's just no way... And they just figured it out. They calculated it out. And they're the Phillips. And you look at Philip's life, and he's always going through his eyesight. I'll prove it to you. The Bible says that when he showed up, uh, amen, he, 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 he asked Jesus, uh, amen, Lord, show us the Father. I'm preaching real good right now. <laughs> if I can see it, I'll believe it. If I can see uh, how it's possible, uh, I'll believe it. Uh, Lord, uh, I've looked through the accounts, uh, and there's not enough. Uh, And Philip is saying, I have looked, I have seen, uh, and what I see is not lining up to what you're saying. He's found the problems. But every so often, amen, Philip needs to find an Andrew. 
Amen. Can I preach to you? Uh, if you're a Philip, uh, if you're a Philip, and can I just preach to the pessimists in the house? Uh, if you're a pessimist and all you see is the problems, uh, you need to get around an Andrew uh, that maybe you might think they have a lower IQ, but they're on to something. Uh, amen. They may not, they, they, they might have showed up with a couple loaves of bread and some fish, uh, a little boy's lunchable, and you're looking at them like, man, you're out of your mind. Uh, but every so often, Philip needs to find themselves a friend in Andrew. Every so often you need to find a friend like Andrew that'll just find a little bit of an answer. It may not be the answer you were searching for or the answer you thought you needed, but you got to come to church and every so often hear somebody tell you, there is a lad, there is a lad. I know there's hunger. I know there's problems. I know that there seems to be no solution. But let me tell you, there's also a lad that's got a lunch. There's also hope. There's also possibility. There's also a chance. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Amen. Come on, somebody needs to get the spirit of Andrew on them today. The spirit of Andrew that says, I found a lad. It may not be much, but I know the Lord. I know the Lord, and the Lord and the lad is always the majority. The Lord and the lad can make it happen. The Lord and the lad can make a miracle possible. Somebody pray. Andrew said, I'm getting closer to what you were asking for, Jesus. I, don't, I didn't come to bring you a problem, but I didn't necessarily come with a full solution for you. I got one plus. I don't have nothing else. I can't figure the rest of the equation out. I just got one. And he shows up with a lad and a little boy's lunchable. Hallelujah. Just in case you're wondering, lunchables are a snack. They're not a lunch. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just preaching my wife back there. She... She believes in Lunchables for the Lord. Hallelujah. But he says, what are they among so many? Anybody ever felt like that? You finally feel like you've got a little light, but what good is this, this dim little light in the midst of all this darkness? How is this going to help? Amen. But sometimes the Lord wants to help us, amen, see possibilities and see solutions. And he gives us opportunities, although he already knows what he would do. He already knows what he's going to do. And there's dark moments in life that God allows us to walk through. And I'm not preaching from inexperience, but I'm very well versed in these moments of life. I feel like life is typically surrounded with moments like this. But sometimes in those moments, God will present a question. Amen. Where can you find some bread? And, and, and you've got to look, even if it's just for a couple loaves, even if it's just a little solution, even if it's just a little hope, even if it's just a little chance. Can I preach to somebody out of your depression? The way out of depression as being somebody who has lived through that, first and foremost, it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, you've got to stop focusing on all the problems and you got to focus in on one ray of hope on one solution as small as it might seem as little and insignificant as it might be there's a lad here Lord there's a lad it may not be much among all that I'm facing but Lord I want to let you know I found a solution I found a solution I found some hope I found a ray of light there is still a lad and there is still a lunch. There is still something we can work with. Oh, somebody lift up your hands. Let's pray for a moment. 
Come on, somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Somebody pray for a moment. They, there, there's somebody in this house I'm preaching to you right now. You need to get beyond where you see all of the negatives. And you need to look, amen, for the lad. You need to look for the lunch. You need to look, amen, for the one ray of hope and the one possibility. He said, there is a lad. Let me talk to the lad for a moment. The lad's a young man who just brought his lunch. Amen. Five barley loaves. We're not talking about Wonder Bread here, church. We're talking about little loaves that will feed a little boy. We're not talking about bass or trout for you fishermen. We're talking about sardines. So it was already so little to the lad. But it was not little to the Lord. Old song used to say, little is much if God is in it. Little is much if God is in it. And if the lad can ever get connected with the Lord. If the lad's lunch can ever become the Lord's lunch. If the lad's lunch can ever get in the Lord's hand. Little is much if God is in it. Can I preach to every family? Little is much if God is in it. Can I preach to ARC? You look around. Little is much when God is in it. And if God can feed 5,000 with a little boy's lunchable, what can he do today with you and I? Oh, somebody give God praise. Can I preach to the lads in the house of the Lord? Amen. The only way you're ever going to make what you have enough is you've got to put it in the hand of the Lord. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. Andrew had it right. What is the lad's lunch in the midst of all of these? You take that lunch and hand it to everybody else, it won't last but a few bites. Come on, somebody. Hey, man, we, we can't even. With some folk, we may not have to, we may, we may not be able to have a potluck because they'll just eat it all. But if we take that potluck and take it before the Lord first. There's some people that they think to themselves, if, if we put this in the hands of everybody else, what is this among so many? Can I preach to those that are surrounded by so many? So many problems. What is this around so many? Let me preach to the people that are living right now. Uh, they're just a lad and they're thinking to themselves like Andrew. Uh, what is this amongst uh, so many bills? Uh, amen. What is this amongst so many medical reports? Uh, what is this among? Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, you're just a lad and you know what you got isn't much. What is this in the midst of all of that? I mean, I've been there too many times in my life where I thought, what is what I have in comparison to what I don't have? What is what I possess in comparison to what I don't possess? And I've become paralyzed by what I don't have. But if I could ever get the revelation of the lad that says, Lord, it's not much, but you can have my lunch. If the lad can ever get the revelation, put it in the Lord's hand. He'll take care of it. He'll multiply it. He'll expand it. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. Somebody ought to shout and give God praise for a moment. 
Come on, little as much. When God's in it, when you put it in God's hands, God can multiply it. When you put it in God's hands, God can bless it. When you put it in God's hands, he'll make a miracle out of a meal. The lad hands it to the Lord. And one by one, he blesses it and he breaks it. We ain't got time for that. But you got to let God break you before he can use you. That's why some people feel like they're running out of steam because they've not allowed God to break them. You got to let God break you for God to truly use you. For God to... And I'm going to preach it from experience. It's very difficult to be broken. It's very difficult to be broken. But if you can be broken and say, not my will, but your will, all of a sudden God can take the lad's lunch. God can take the lad's life. God can take somebody in this house and take you and make you a blessing to the nations. God can take somebody in this building. And if you let God bless you and break you, he'll make something so beautiful out of your life that you would have never thought it possible. There's a marriage here that if you would ever let God bless you and break Break you down. Amen. He would send you out and God would use you in ways you never thought possible. There's a young person. There's a middle-aged person. If you ever let God break you down. Amen. I'm not talking about destroy you. I'm talking about get you down to your base elements to rebuild you the way he wants you to be. God would use you. Somebody ought to shout. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Somebody pray in this house. Lift up your hands. I got a lot more on my notes, but I just came to preach to somebody. I came to minister to somebody in this house. <laughs> Come on, ARC. God has got to bless us and break us down so he can use us to feed the masses. God, whatever you got to do, go ahead and do it that your will might be accomplished. Come on, somebody pray. There's a lad in this house. You gotta yield your lunch. There's a lad in this house. You gotta yield your life. There's a lad in this house. You gotta say yes to Jesus. There's a lad in this. I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about people that have got to give themselves to the Lord and say whatever you want to do with my lunch. Jesus blesses it. He breaks it. He hands it to his disciples. And as it passes hand by hand, everybody eats to the full. Everybody eats to the full. Let's say that again for somebody. Everybody eats until they're full. That means there's enough for you and your neighbor. That means there's enough for you, your family, and your, the family sitting on the road next to you or behind you. That means there's enough for you and your neighbor in your neighborhood. That means there's enough for you and anybody else you find. Because when the Lord and the lad get connected, it brings miracles and multiplication. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. 
The Lord sent me back into this house to minister to Apostolic Revival Center. Amen. If the Lord and the lad can get connected, we're going to bless this world. If the Lord and the lad get connected, if the Lord and ARC gets connected, we're going to feed this city with the word of God. We're going to feed that this gospel is going to spread like wildfire. And then the Lord goes and everybody eats until they're full. And the Bible says, when they got done eating, there was still fragments left. Living in the overflow. Did you know God's got enough blessings where you will have excess of blessings? God's got enough healing where there will be an excess of healing. God's got enough favor that there can be an excess of... I wish somebody would shout in this house. God's got more than enough. More than enough. He's not just enough. He's more than enough. He's not just sufficient. He's more than sufficient. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. We serve a God of the overflow. We serve a God of the leftovers. We serve a God that's got more than we could ever ask for. We serve. Let's all stand across the building and lift up our hands. Come on, somebody pray in this house. Come on, take your limits off God. Take your limits off God. Take your, come on, lad, take your limits off God. There's going to be more than enough from we don't have enough to more than enough. From there's not enough to we have more than we can handle. Somebody pray in this house. In fact, everybody, lift up your hands and let's pray. The Holy Ghost is moving in this house. I just came to minister to somebody. Amen. You got you to let God take over and watch what he'll do with what you have. I feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, somebody needs to be reminded about the Holy Ghost. It's overflowing. Out of your belly shall overflow or flow uh, rivers of living water. Uh, somebody needs to be reminded, uh, amen, that it flows. Uh, amen, that it flows. Uh, that it flows. The Bible says that they had so many fragments. But here's what, here's what amazes me. If it were me, just speaking for myself, I would have taken that little piece of bread that I was gnawing on for the last hour that didn't run out. I would have framed it. It would have got moldy, whatever. It's worked. I would have held, I would have held on to it. Because everybody's hand it went to, it kept multiplying. That's why you got to have an open hand. Freely I have received. 
freely give. Jesus said, go and cast out devils. Go heal the sick. Freely you have received. Freely give. You have freely and I have freely received this gospel. Go find somebody and share it with them. And the bread will never run out. And the water will never run dry. And the well will never go empty. But you got to keep sharing it. But this is a challenge. Because we can have the Lord and the lad, but then we have the leftovers. The more than enough, the overflow. And what bothers me is that 5,000, not including women and children, there might have been 10,000 there. There might have been 15,000. Assuming married couples and one child, 15,000 people in that moment. And not one of them took bread home. Does that bother anybody else? The Bible does not declare anybody took any bread home. In fact, they took the bread and they threw it on the ground. We do have that in the scriptures. We can see that. We can see that in the scriptures. Hallelujah. That they took the leftovers, the fragments, the broken pieces that nobody wanted, that they'd already chewed on, that they got everything that they wanted. The Bible says they ate all that they wanted. Amen. But the only thing to change how much was eaten that day was how much each individual wanted. And I got one question for the church. How much do you want from God? Because there's leftovers in the altar. There's leftovers in the pew. There's leftovers in the prayer room. There's leftovers in the church. And the Lord wants to use the leftovers. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Somebody pray. came to prophesy and to preach to everybody. If you want more of God, you can have it right now. If you need more from God, you can have it. There's leftovers everywhere. Do you know what's beautiful about the Lord? The Lord used the lad, and the Lord uses the leftovers. It's interesting that this started with a little boy that had five whole loaves of bread, little loaves of bread that were whole, complete, five, and two fish that were whole and complete. One, it's interesting, at the beginning of their life that had all this to offer the Lord. The Lord, here's my lunch in its entirety. Let me just talk to the young people. It's, I'm glad the kids couldn't go to Sunday school today. Let me talk to the kids and the young people. You don't have to wait till you're 40 or 50 years old to serve God. You don't have to wait until your third marriage to serve God. You don't even have to wait till your first marriage. Hallelujah. You don't have to wait until, let me say it this way, till your only marriage. Hallelujah. To serve God. You can take your lunch. You can take your life. And you can lay it before the Lord. But let me preach to some other folks. You've lived a little while. You've had some encounters with the miraculous. The Lord's done some works in your life. 
but you've also done some works in your life. There's been some chewing on your life. There's some some disposing that's happened on your life. Some people have disposed of you. There's been some discarding like it's no longer important because now that we've used you up, there's no use for you. Let me tell you about the Lord. He uses the lad and he uses the leftover. And the beautiful part about it all One is not greater than the other. The Lord wants to use the lad who's offering everything in its entirety. But I've come to preach. I know there's people in this house that you want to offer God your life, but there's bits and pieces missing out of it from a broken relationship, from a divorce, from abuse, from turmoil, from sickness, from stress, from anxiety. There's bits and pieces that the devil's ripped from your life, and you want to present it to the Lord, but you're embarrassed because that's just a leftover, and it doesn't seem like much. But let me preach to you what the Lord thinks about the leftovers. He sent a disciple into the house of God here today to tell you, gather up the fragments, gather up the leftovers, gather up what's left, let nothing be lost. Let me tell you about the Lord. The Lord does not waste anything. Let me say that again. I'm done right here. Somebody needs to hear me. The Lord does not waste anything. I say that till somebody believes me. The Lord does not waste anything. Well, what about my mistake? The Lord does not waste anything. What about my failures? The Lord doesn't waste anything. What about the time I walked away from God? The Lord doesn't waste anything. He sent them about. They gathered up 12 baskets. There were 12 disciples. There were 12 churches, if you will. And those those leftovers became the blessing uh, to the church. Uh, Don't ever discount yourself or somebody else uh, out of God's ability to use you, uh, out of God's ability to use somebody else uh, because of the brokenness of their life. Uh, Can I preach to you? Uh, Jesus had to break the little boy's loaf to use him, uh, but the benefit of the fragment, the benefit of the leftover is it was already broken uh, by other people. It was already broken by life, uh, and it it gave God a perfect opportunity to use that individual. Lift up your hands. I'm done preaching. Whether you are the lad or you are the leftover, whether you are living a life, amen, of wholeness or a life of brokenness, I want to tell you the Lord has sent a preacher into this house to tell you that God wants to use you, to tell you that God's still got a purpose for you, that God's still got a plan for your life, that God's still got a plan for your family. Yes, the Lord will use you, amen, before you make the mistake, but God will also use you after the divorce, after the sickness, after the abuse, after the trauma, after the trial, after the suffering, after the grief, after the loss, after everything fell apart because he's the Lord of the land and he's the Lord of the leftovers. Somebody pray. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. 
Come on, the Lord's in this house. The Lord's in this house. The Lord's in this house. Come on, the Lord's in this house. But there's some lads in this house too. There's some leftovers in this house too. And he's coming for you. He's coming for your family. He's coming for your ministry. He's coming for your marriage. He's coming for your kids. Not to hurt them, but to use them. I want to open up this altar. Would you come? If you have not yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost, I want you to come, amen, and bring your life before the Lord and lift it up like the lad did his fish and loaves, like the disciples did with the leftovers, and said, Lord, we brought you back 12 baskets full. Would you come to the Lord today? Would you come to the Lord today? Maybe you're somebody who's lived for God for a long time. Amen. But there's some areas of your life, some scraps that are on the side that you thought there's no longer a use for those things. But the Lord sent a preacher to tell you, don't waste what God has blessed. Don't waste what God has forgiven. Don't waste a testimony. Don't waste an opportunity for God to use you. Gather it up. Gather it up. He's the Lord of the land. He's the Lord of the leftovers. Somebody pray. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. Come on, lift up your hands and let's pray right now. Young man, young lady, it's time to pray. When you lift up your hands, you're saying, Jesus, you can have my life. Come on. There's somebody in the middle middle stage of their life or at the latter end of their life. And you're thinking, what is what I got left worth, worth it all? The Lord wants the leftovers too. Come on, pray. What am I going to do after all this mess? Give it to the Lord. What am I going to do after the mistakes I've made? Give it to the Lord. Let's pray in this house. The Lord is in this house. He's coming for the land. And he's coming for the leftover.
in the Holy Ghost. Let that be your prayer. I give myself to the Lord. I give myself to the Lord. My life, my hopes, my dreams, my future, my failures, my past, my mistakes, my lads or my leftovers. I give it to the Lord. Somebody needs to do that right now. My best, my worst, my all in all. Somebody pray the Holy Ghost. Pick up the broken pieces and bring them to the Lord. Pick up the broken pieces and bring them to the Lord right now.